Hi, my name is Farron, and you're listening to Hungry for Apples podcast. Please follow me on Instagram, F-A-E-R-N, and check out my website, Farron.me. Grab an apple, enjoy the show. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Welcome back to Hungry for Apples. I hope you have had a wonderful week. And today I would like to talk a little bit about the idea of right and wrong. So right and wrong, overcorrecting, overadjusting, you know, being on high alert. So in considering the idea of right and wrong and how this can be this can be a confusing part of our lives. For the most part, it's rooted in protection, which isn't a bad thing per se, but can develop into odd forms of competition, anger, overprotecting, and some other things. Ideally, there isn't an overt reason for protection in the grand scheme of things right now, especially if our basic needs are met. So, you know, the basic idea is that we're a little bit wired to protect ourselves. And in general, at this point, I mean, barring any drastic circumstances, most people have a way to get food. They have a roof over their head. Um, the, the idea of having to protect themselves physically doesn't really become part of their lives um, for the most part. I mean, obviously some things happen. I can't speak for, you know, what happens in, in schools with kids and stuff like that. There's a lot of bullying, things like that. Now, I'm not saying that those people don't need to protect themselves. That's not what I mean. I mean an overt reason for protection. We're not getting invaded. Our homes are, for the most part, safe. But when we are in this protection mode, our mind looks for, looks to find ways to do the protection. I mean, that's their, it's its job, right? So to find the culprit, right? To seek it out. Um, so the idea of finding the thing that needs to be fixed or what's wrong with the situation becomes a part of an experience that that this person or people or you or me, anybody would see what's wrong before what is right, which then creates a whole other type of experience. I mean, it's part of the nervous system. Um, a lot of people did. If you're highly sensitive, let's say you're highly energy sensitive, it's very possible that you have had many things happen in your life that you've had to figure out how to protect yourself in a variety of fashions and that that stuff is you know that's important but it isn't the same kind of protection that I'm talking about that kind of protection is something a new age person put a protection word on what that actually is is you learning how to function in your body I mean I could say you but I also can say me because that's me too I totally understand that But this idea of seeing what's wrong with the situation before what's right, I mean, often people attribute this to complaining, 
um, having a bad day at work and taking that with you and throwing it out at home on whoever you see first. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that this can play out. And long-term things become, become very difficult. I feel like that it can breed a lot of anger, a lot of frustration. If you're constantly trying to fix problems that don't exist, this turns into kind of a little bit of a mess. And without getting into whether right and wrong actually exist, because there's this whole other philosophical direction that I could go in with that. So without getting into that part, we can see how one might commonly find something wrong with any given situation. It becomes like a loop, right? It's a loop that anybody can get stuck in, a loop that anybody can get stuck in. If you notice that you're in this loop, take time to actually notice how often this happens and take note of it, for real, take note of it. If you have to write it down, if you have to figure out some kind of system in order to really acknowledge how often you do it, I recommend you try to do that. Here's the thing though, don't give yourself any grief about it. In order to shift the programming, you have to look at it as if you are outside of it in a sense. So don't judge yourself. It is going to create a very difficult path to the same location of not seeing everything wrong all the time. You'll end up the same place. It just might take a lot more work. So after a while of noticing that, taking note of how often you see a situation as a problem when there may not actually be one. Now, I'm not saying that you don't see things that can be improved. You you know, there's always room for growth and expansion. I'm not trying to take any of that away. I'm not even trying to take away intuition. Just notice which way you're wired to go first. So, You've taken time to acknowledge that this is actually happening. Yeah. Then you get to train yourself to lead with a solution. So you have a reaction, right? You would lead with the solution to the reaction that you had. This isn't a quick fix. This is a long-term plan. I mean, it doesn't take years or anything if you really get at it, but it isn't the most, um, you need to spend some time doing it. So what I'm saying is, is that you see something, you react to it, you have your reactions, you know what they are, you've been paying attention to them for, I don't know, a month or so. Now that you can be alert to the reaction that you have, lead with what you think the proper response to that reaction is. I mean, most of the time this can be very abstract in our life, right? Trying to help somebody, you know that they have a particular problem. If you tell them that they have a problem first, have you ever noticed that they don't want to listen to the solution? That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, except for you're turning it on yourself. This is a method of deprogramming. So 
you notice first what the programming is and what your natural or the accustomed response is, and you take some time to look at it, if you do this very quickly, you'll just have to redo it again, which isn't necessarily a problem. It just, like I said, it elongates the situation a little bit. So you found your reactions and you found your solutions and over time of thinking about the solution first and training yourself to lead with the solution, this starts to happen naturally. You won't have to go through the process forever. You do have to have some kind of discipline around it. After a while though, it just dissipates and it becomes natural. This is a form of reprogramming. Yeah, so first you have to see what the program is. You have to take it apart and then you have to put it back together. I recommend you acknowledging this step by step. Um, that idea of celebrating the little things. This is a very, this process, mixing, celebrating the little things with this kind of deprogramming, reprogramming is the most successful that I have personally experienced. I've tried a lot of different things. These two things together, it's like some crazy magic. It works a lot. Here's one thing to pay attention to. If you happen to be a yoga practitioner, this comes up in yoga asana pretty regularly. I would assume it would come up in meditation as well and uh, pranayama probably as well. Um, there's this thing where people begin to overcorrect overcorrect the shape the posture and if you're one of those people you might need to pay attention to the fact that that's happening if you're very flexible and you're doing it over time this can create kind of a stagnation in the area and this is because the overcorrecting can often kind of create a tension in an unexpected part of the body, like the hips where there are a lot going on, or the shoulders or the neck. And when we overcorrect, we can create a common shape in, let's say, our lower spine, for example, the, the positioning of the pelvis in relation to the spine. And it, is, it becomes such a habit that it is very hard to undo. This is because we are thinking about the shape being a particular way as far as how we think it looks and not necessarily feeling it out in your body. Or we remember all of the cues that our teacher said and we continually do the cues. That one is a big deal. So cues in a yoga class coming from a teacher, they're based on physical alignment, especially now. If you are taking everything online and nobody can see you, these are general alignment cues. I don't think that it's a good idea to always use the same cues on your body, especially if you're very flexible. That's the that's the zone that I fall into. This is why I am speaking about that most because this is where, you know, it's my life. This is where I can really speak from.
the way that I worked with this for myself, and I continue to do this every few months. In fact, I'm in that zone right now. I go into my yoga practice. Granted, I'm lucky. I can give myself my asana practice. I don't need to listen to anybody else. But I will divulge that I still hear certain cues that I heard repeatedly for years, 10, 20 years. And I notice that they're there. Even if I don't really hear the words, my body goes through the process of this step-by-step order of the cue, of the cues that the teacher gave. Now, that's another thing. The orders that they put them out isn't necessarily the order that you need them in. And I'm not saying that anybody's doing anything wrong. I'm just saying we remember things on a physical way and in the way we hear it. So we have to watch out for that when we are reproducing our yoga asana practice at home when nobody else can see us. The way that I worked with this, or I do this repeatedly, like I said, every few months I spend a good amount of hours, you know, obviously not all at once, where I go through my postures and my sequencing and I don't do any corrections. It is not easy because some parts of my body just really want to go into the shape the way that it's used to. The muscle memory thing really kind of comes online really quickly. So if you're going to try this out, be really gentle. Do a very simple practice. Don't do anything complicated. Don't go into some complicated pose thinking that you don't have to make any personal adjustments for yourself because that could cause damage. Choose things that you can simply go into and work with and try not to adjust and see where you want to adjust all the time. Nine times out of 10, it's gonna be the same part of the body every single pose. Take note of that, have a little notebook. The same as the reactions, the emotional reactions or the verbal reactions, this is the same thing. Assuming that you have to go into it a certain way, whether it's for look or just because that's how you remember it or someone told you you had to do it that way one time, you know, they're not wrong, but you have to consider the fact that this is repetitive process and there is a thing called repetitive stress but also muscle memory. So you want to be able to work with the energy and not create some kind of stagnation, which reactions tend to be because we get stuck in a loop. So you want to take this process, the process I mentioned before, the deprogramming, reprogramming, and apply that to your yoga practice as well. Yoga, asana, meditation, probably pranayama. I don't know. Depends on what you do. All right. Well, Thank you so much for getting to the end of this. I really like thinking about these things, as you can tell. This is one that I work with a lot, and I'm really interested. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, or if you have any input, please send me an email, hungryforapplespodcast at gmail.com. And I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Bye now. 
All right, that's our show for this week. Thanks for listening all the way through. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider a small donation over at patreon.com backslash Farron. And feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, F-A-E-R-N. Or if you have any questions, check out my website, Farron.me. You can contact me there. You can see my class schedule and upcoming events. Again, you've been listening to Hungry for Apples with your host, Farron. I'm just feeling it out. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.